Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, with my co-host here, Christopher Klein, and our producer, Uriah Young. Guys, I've been gone for the past two podcasts, and you know what? I really am glad to be back, and I appreciate all the extra effort that you guys put in in my absence. I appreciate that. What's going on tonight, guys? Not much. We're just happy to, to have you back. Yeah, definitely. Welcome back, man. We, we miss your energy. We miss your knowledge. And um, yeah, it's good to have you back, Lucas. Most definitely. So what have you guys been up to this week? You know, other than following some important things that have been happening around the country, as I'm sure pretty <laughs> much everyone is aware of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty much just the same old, same old, writing about the Sixers, doing school stuff, watching movies. Any uh, good movies? Plenty of good movies. I, uh, I finally watched Alien and Aliens. You know, those are perfect movies. So you, you can't get much better than that. Uh, okay. And uh, some pretty pretty downbeat, kind of messed up movies that I'm sure other people don't want to watch. So I, I won't touch on those. But, uh, yeah. Well, well you been, can tell me after week. the podcast. You can definitely tell me after the podcast. Cause <laughs> hey, I, I, I like hearing that he saw Aliens for the first time. That's one of those movies, Chris, that I can watch any day of the week i know every line and speaking of movies that we've that i've been watching that i've seen multiple times i saw uh the rock a couple weeks ago and i just sat there i knew every line shout out to sean connery rest in peace (laughs) had a great role Nicolas cage really great cast did you guys did uh did you guys see the rock lucas you see the rock no Sadly, Ooh. no, that was one of the, the, the Sean Connery. Well, you know what? I did see a lot of Sean Connery movies. Highlander, uh, one of them. Obviously, some of his older 007 stuff. And then, oh, yeah. uh, fi- uh, what was it? Finding Forrester? Yeah, that was a good one. Nice. Yeah, I, I've started quite the DVD collection since uh, since quarantine kind of kicked in in April. And, and it's a mess. My room's just covered basically in CDs at this point. So, or DVDs. I, I, so. I'm gonna have to show you. I gotta show you my shelf that I have. It's absolutely insane, and the mess that it was before I put it all up there because they were all over the floor. Probably covered like a an eighth of my living room floor, which doesn't sound like a lot, but my living room is not that big, so it was actually a lot. Uh, But enough about DVDs. We have some basketball to talk about, guys. Because guess what? The NBA season is about to begin. But before we get into that, we're going to go ahead and jump into some uh, Sixers, James Harden stuff. And Chris, go ahead and take it away for us. Yeah, so it was recently reported by Shams over at The Athletic that the Sixers have interest in potentially trading for James Harden. Who wouldn't? Uh, And the flip side of that report is that Houston is not particularly interested at this point. But Lucas, do you see that changing in the near future? And what do you think the Sixers would have to give up in order to get James Harden in a Philadelphia uniform? Well, the only way I see that not happening is if the Rockets are uh, start out the season. It's not going to happen prior to the season. It's going to have to happen either during this season or next season or next off season. But the only way I see this happening is if the Rockets are a lower tier playoff team, like in the six to eight range, or if they're not in the playoffs at all and they have a first or you know somewhere around a first round exit. Which is totally possible because the West is getting even stronger, believe it or not. So who knows what's going to happen with the West? You know, you got the Warriors coming back. The Rockets need to figure out who they're going to play at center because they're not going to do the micro ball without D'Antoni. I don't think 
because Steven Silas is not a fool there. That being said, um, you know, maybe they did they do an Al Horford for, you know, Eric Ward and a couple other pieces, you know, who knows, but um <laughs> I'd rather have Eric Gordon than Al Horford, but you know But I, would they <laughs> would they? That's a good question. Uh probably not. But you know, yeah. who knows? I think we could get Charlotte, but that's not the point here. Um so I think it would have to happen. And I think the only way Houston does it is they get Ben Simmons or Tuol Embiid. If Joel B goes to Houston, that would be a wreck because him and Russell Westbrook hate each other. Uh, at least, you know, it looks to be the case anyway. And uh, that would not be a good spacing situation for Embiid either, unless they trade hard, uh, Westbrook to probably like the Knicks or something. In terms of, or, you know, Ben Simmons could be the piece, which still wouldn't really help the Rockets spacing because, you know, Westbrook and Simmons are basically the same player, only... Wrote Westbrook's a lot shorter and is actually willing shooter, not good shooter, but willing. So either way, that's that's what it would have to take. And I don't think the Sixers should give give up uh, one of those two pieces for a superstar over the age of thirty one because that's that's not a good idea. Because James Harden's already played a lot of minutes, especially under Dan Tony, and he probably only has about three to four years of his prime left before he starts dropping off. And whereas, you know, if you trade with Embiid or Simmons, you know, you're closing, you're closing a 10-year window for like a three- or four-year window. So I wouldn't do that. But, um, you know, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think with, with James, I, I'm going to take the opposite stance. And I, I would say you, you have to do it if it's been. Just because you, you mentioned that Harden probably only has three or four years left of prime or near-prime basketball. But... I mean, you know, Daramore has always been one to go for it. And he's not going to shy away from, you know, competition in the West, competition in the East. He's the one guy who really challenged Golden State at their prime. You know, they went out and got Chris Paul, all that. The Rockets have always gone for it with D'Antoni. And even if it's just a three- or four-year window, and you're maybe closing, you know, even if Ben's window is 10 years long, I, I think Harden gives you a much better chance at winning. I think that's a much wider window and you know the east is is very winnable still milwaukee's a great team miami's a great team boston's great brooklyn's great but i mean james harden and joel Embiid is right up there with the best duos in basketball and i mean there aren't there aren't like six or seven people better than james harden in the league period he's he's one of the best players on the planet he he alone pretty much gives you a puncher's chance and, and just going back to odds, that's why I don't think Houston does it this year. Like you said, maybe next offseason if things fall apart, if they don't get past the second round, et cetera. But even with if it's still micro ball, even with, I, I think the goal this year is they're going to try to change things up. Steven Silas on ESPN the other day said they're going to use more ball movement. They're going to put James and Russell in different situations. I think they I, I think they have the pieces to contend, mainly because of James and his presence. And you want to see if, you know, a different setup with more optionality on offense works. And if it doesn't, then maybe they'll consider trading him. But I, I don't see it happening this year. But, yeah, I think I think James gives you a real chance at winning it all, like, this season or the year after next or whenever this happens. So while Ben might be a star for longer, I, I think in terms of, like, giving you a real shot at the championship – there, there aren't too many better options than, than swapping James and Ben because 
as great as Ben is, James is a whole lot better. It's a different level. The fit is infinitely better. And I, I, I just think you have to go for it because he's one of the five or six players you do that for. He, he's probably like a top five player in the league. And I, I think it's hard to hard to turn that down. Well, let me let me ask you this, Chris, because honestly, if I were to trade for Harden, I would send Joel there. And the reason that I'm thinking this is we all know Joel's injury history is not great. It's not great. His prime is probably going to be, what is he, 26 now? So his his body probably won't hold up another 10, uh, 8 to 10 years. Let's, let's be real. It's probably only going to hold up another 4 to 6 years. I'd rather yeah. do that and, and trade Joel and have uh, Harden and Ben together. But the whole point in trading for James would be to go for it. And if it's only a 4 to 6 year window... I, you're going to maximize that four to six year window because Ben in 10 years when he's 33, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if the rest of the roster is falling apart around him. Ben, Ben is the worst of these three players that we've mentioned. And it's just like the way that it is. I love Ben and I've been an advocate for not trading him on this podcast plenty of times, but I think if it's James Hard and that's the deal that, is offered, I, I just think you have to, it has to be Ben because Joe, and I, James, I think, has a better chance, I think, of winning the East than James and Ben. I guess, I guess, yeah, you're looking at it from shorter term gains, and I'm still, I don't know, maybe I'm in my process state of mind of looking at the long term, but I get what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with your logic. I'm just saying, for me personally, I would rather have a, I don't know, we'll see. If they could get, I, they're not going to be able to get Harden without, you know, giving up one of those guys, but if somehow they could pull that off, that would be absolutely fantastic. So, uh, Lucas, on a, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah, mm-hmm. how, how likely do we think it is that Harden ends up at some point in, in a Sixers uniform? I'm going to give it a 50 chance. I'm going to say a 5. I don't know. It could go – it's a flip of the coin, honestly, and it just depends what happens with Houston because I think the Sixers would be open to it as soon as possible. But I think it's just what happens with Houston. If they, Like you said, if they don't get past the second round – or even the you know first or second round, then they might decide. Okay, well we have a new young head coach. We can get a lot of asset, you know, trade young players and uh, picks for Russell and you know Harden. Let's flip them both for that and start over. I mean, they could. They they probably should. Um, but you know, it just depends on how tough the West is and you know where they end up in the playoffs. So I'm going to say fifty percent chance. Because I think yeah. the Sixers do it in a second. Yeah, I'll I'll go lower than that. I'll say like a two, only because there's so much that can happen between now and next off season when this mm-hmm. trade would feasibly happen, and so many other teams would would want in on James. Obviously, not every other team has you know a Ben Simmons or a Joel Embiid to offer up. There, there are just so many factors that go into it. Is it possible? For sure. Is it something Maury again with his desire to win? And as someone who looks at like championship probability and wants to go for it, and given that the Sixers are really built to win and nothing else at this point, they don't really have like a long term with this roster because they've shelled out all their money, they've they've put all their chips, they've pushed all their chips in. So, do I think you would do it for sure? But you know, other teams are going to be in in on that that conversation if it, if it does inevitably happen. Well, who and, who who would it be? I think the Heat. Would I mean, be Boston. Has yeah, I don't know about Boston. They they, I think Boston would swap Jalen Brown and and 
pieces for sure. Like a hundred percent. Okay, Jalen Brown would get in. I think Golden State might try to maybe swap Clay or something. I think nah, a lot of Golden State's not going to. I, I Golden State's not going to do it, but I think the Heat would. I think they could. The yeah, the Heat would be in on it. I I think. You know the the um, the, the sleeper Denver, team in this would probably be the Hawks. M- maybe uh, you know a pick heavy. That would probably be dependent more on picks than than real talent. But I mean, I guess if Houston's trading hard, that's what they're going for. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the Clippers, Paul George, maybe who knows? It could get weird. Yeah, I, I do think it's hard to top Ben Simmons in this situation, but other teams would be in the mix for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But but we'll we'll just have to see, wait and see at this point. Most definitely. So we're gonna go ahead and talk about another player that recently got put on the mar- uh, trade block, and that's according to Shams again. The Pelicans are willing to trade Holiday, which really isn't that big of a surprise considering where the rest of their roster's at. So who would mm-hmm. the Sixers, Chris, so who would the Sixers have to part with to get Holiday back in a Sixers uh, Philly uniform? In terms of what the ideal package is for Philly, obviously it's like Al Horford and some draft picks, but a lot of teams are going to want Drew Holiday, the Heat and the Bucks and Plenty of other teams are going to have better, yeah. better packages, like straight up, mm-hmm. unless Philly is like super heavy on draft picks, which is dicey business because the Sixers really don't have any other way to add meaningful depth at this point beyond the draft, you know, thinking long term. So it'll be tough. I think I, I messed around in the trade machine the other day, and I think if it's Josh, Mike Scott, Zaire, and Matisse, that works salary wise. That would be four for one, which is a bit could be tough to pull out pull off mathematically mm-hmm. but i mean from their perspective that might be the most ideal because josh is actually someone who can help you win you know you get a couple of young guys especially matisse who's still very desirable you throw in the 21st pick or something maybe they consider that it might have to be a three-team deal to make the salaries a little bit cleaner in terms of how they work but you know do they take al horford 21 matisse in some seconds I, if no one else offers anything, sure, but it's going to be tough because I think a lot of teams are going to come with some pretty strong offers for, for Drew because he can help a lot of teams win. Well, I think you're right and the other teams would offer it, but let's think about Al Hor- We We all know that Al Horford's a little bit better than what he looked like this past year on the Sixers. Yes, he's past his prime. I think we can all admit that, but he's still a serviceable starting center on a playoff team for sure. Um, that being said, and I know how much you used to love Al Horford, uh, you know, before this past season. So you, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Imagine pairing him with Zion Williamson, especially in a Stan Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy. You have to think about the fit here. Yeah. They, they might have a little bit more enticing packages, but think in, in terms of overall fit, Al Horford is like one of the ideal centers that you would want to pair with Zion Williamson because he can stretch the floor. He can play make for those other guys, especially on a team where outside of Lonzo Ball, because after Lonzo, they really don't have a... I mean, Brandon Ingram's developing into a playmaker, but you, who would you rather be playmaking for you, Brandon Ingram or Al Horford? Let's be real. Probably Brandon Al Ingram. Horford. I don't know, man. I don't know. Dude, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but my point is... I, I think I as Brandon Ingram would definitely benefit from having Al Horford run the show for me at the yeah. high post. I mean, like, I agree that it, it is on paper a pretty strong fit, but 
even if he is better than what he showed last year, I think it's pretty clear that Al is on the decline, that he's not going to get better. And he's 33. He's a center. And the way the league is moving, paying $26 million a year for an aging center who can't really protect the rim at this point in his career isn't, isn't ideal. And while it fits offensively, like I think the Pelicans would be much happier getting like a wing who can space the floor for Zion, who can maybe play make a little bit next to Ingram or Lonzo and Holiday in that group. And, and just like financially, I think they would rather just obviously assets would be coming in with Al, but just like let his contract run out if nothing else and use the cap space versus paying two and a half for two and a half more years of Horford's like albatross that that's just not going to look good regardless of where it goes i i just don't think he even with the fit i don't think he's a good enough fit to overshadow the other packages that they would get because i i think miami can offer plenty of pieces that fit really well so could any you know milwaukee could offer some solid pieces so i i, I really don't think the sixers are going to get much of anywhere with al unless it's there's a lot going the other way with him Okay, so it sounds like you're kind of pessimistic about this deal. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think that this deal actually happens? Yeah, I mean, like, 1, which is still like a 10% chance, hypothetically, which isn't, which I think is higher than than a lot of people would think when you, when you hear 1 out of 10. But I, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's Philly's time for Drew, but I think they'll look into it. I think they'll they'll probably make an offer but i don't think they'll be able to outbid you know the miamis and the milwaukee's and the denvers and whoever else in the world yeah i'm gonna say it's about a three out of ten i you know as much as i would like this deal to happen and i think that you can make an argument for you know an al horford or josh richardson's center package uh like you mm-hmm. said i think there's just going to be teams that it will eventually outbid them i didn't Even think the sixers Brooklyn. have solid yeah, Brooklyn's a possible team. Uh, they could sw- fl- uh, flip Spencer Dinwiddie and a couple other players for him. Yeah. Uh, probably like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. and a pick. And that that's more than enough, honestly. If Yeah, I'd, like, I'd take Dinwiddie and LeVert and a pick over Horford, Matisse, and a pick. Oh, totally. Ten day, totally. Seven days a week. It's yeah. no question. Yeah. Too bad we can't trade for Dinwiddie, right? Well, actually, we could. Hey, it's it's possible. I've we've written about it on the site. People should yeah, go check it out. <laughs> I, yeah, guys, check it out for real. Yeah, I um, read that one. That was a good one. What was it? Was Josh Richardson and who else? Who who else was in that deal, Chris? I believe it was just Josh and the twenty first pick was the the core. And honestly, I, Josh I is a nice that. fix. Not, Josh is a really nice fit next to Kyrie and and uh, sure. Kate. But here's the thing that I, if I'm Brooklyn, I would not trade Dinwiddie, especially with Kyrie's health. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing I would not do. But you know, and I think another way to think about it is if they do end up losing Joe Harris and free agency, Richardson could slide mm-hmm. to the wing because they'd have an open spot there. But yeah. uh, again, a lot of these trades are. are other teams will be able to outbid the Sixers pretty easily if they want a specific player. So Philly is mm-hmm. definitely not operating from an advantageous position based on what they've well, done you, with their roster. 
Well, you know, Daryl Moore. I, you know, if it was Elton Brand, I'd be a little bit like more pessimistic, like you are. But it's Daryl Morey now running the show. Daryl Morey. Yeah, I understand. I, I, I'm definitely much more optimistic with Daryl in charge. But even so, that doesn't change the fact that he doesn't have much to work with. Like it, it could be, you know, I, it could, it, I don't know, it, it could be anyone, and I, I'd still have some some doubts about the Sixers really having the assets to pull off a big move. Do I think mm-hmm. Maury will pull off something at some point? Yes, but oh, this it's going to be tricky, especially with only like a month until the season starts. It's there's just not a lot going. You know, it's not the Sixers are not again operating from a favorable position. Fair enough. So that actually brings us into our next topic, Chris. Right? Yeah. So the season is starting on December twenty second, which is about a month and a half away. Which is pretty remarkable when you you consider everything that has been going on in the world. That's pretty swift return to basketball from when the bubble ended, not which feels like days ago, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you feel about that, Lucas? That's a pretty quick turnaround. I know some players aren't too psyched about it, namely some players out in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's too early? Do you think it should have been a later start? I know January 18th was a date that was thrown around quite a bit. And, and just what what are your feelings there? Look, pretty much the only team that's not excited about this is the Lakers. And the reason is, is because they're an old team. They, uh, they are an old team and their younger players, most of them have had injury concerns in the past, like AD. Obviously not this past season, but you get you get my gist. So the Lakers are pretty much the only team that's not happy about this. The teams that didn't get go to the bubble, they haven't played since March. So they're ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Pretty much any team that got kicked, you know, the non-playoff teams in the bubble haven't played since August. The playoff teams, most of them got kicked out in September or late August. So they're pretty well-rested, too. Everybody's well-rested besides the Lakers and the Heat. But the Heat don't care because it's Heat culture. They'll be fine. The <laughs> Lakers... LeBron, he needs his rest, but he also had like four months off between what was it, four or five months off between the in the hiatus. So I'm not expecting LeBron to be too, uh, you know, tired out either. So mm-hmm. I think it's a perfect starting time because I, you know, they were throwing it around Christmas Day. I wouldn't have liked having the first game of the season on Christmas Day because sometimes those games aren't great, but usually I think a couple days earlier start, I think that's fine by me. I think that's good. I think money-wise, it makes sense, too, because we know if they started in January that they would have lost, like, billions of dollars, I believe. I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it was it was a substantial amount. So, no, this is the perfect time to start it. I'm okay with it. I wish there was a summer league or a fall league, I guess, but we don't have that. And But, you know, it's a weird season, but it's going to get the NBA back on the regular schedule moving beyond this year. Yeah, I mean, from like a viewer's, a fan's perspective, it, it, it it's works for me. Like you said, I don't have any reason to not like it. I can understand why, you know, the Lakers, the Heat teams like that would be a little bit on edge. But I think what we have to consider with the quick turnaround is that there was also like a four-month break in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. So I think that factors into the, the league's thinking here. And I, I think most players will be fine, you know. I, I mean... Yeah, I'm just excited to have basketball back. It's going to be a little weird, especially for, like, the rookies. You know, training camp's going to be really short. Teams aren't going to have a ton of time to figure it out. You know, you look at the Sixers, they have a new coach. They might have some new players. If they do pull off a trade, it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround, and they're going to have to figure out a lot 
a lot is going to have to change in a very short period of time, which could get tricky, especially early in the season. But I, I think everyone could use some basketball. So uh, I, I think overall it's, it's, a, it's a positive for me. Yeah, and, I, I, I do want to add a note that I don't think we're going to see a lot of rookies get a lot of playing time to begin the season unless mm-hmm. they're like top picks or like upperclassmen. I think we'll definitely see a lot of less rookies getting playing time than, than we're used to. Yeah, and I think it's definitely going to be a much slower learning curve for a lot of guys. Or at least it's going to feel that way. It'll probably take the same amount of time, but some of that time is going to be mid-season instead of over the summer. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, and just moving on, Lucas, the NBA is planning to have a limited number of fans in the stands once the season resumes. Do you view that as, as a positive or a negative, and how do you think the league should should approach that situation? Obviously, with, with COVID-19 still you know, going strong, unfortunately, in, in America. I know, and ESPN put up a, a statistic, uh, as, uh, like some numbers the other day, and it was basically saying that there are still a couple teams who uh, aren't even allowed to have more than 25 people in an area, so they're going to have to figure that out. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors are going to have to play somewhere else. I think Louisville is the primary candidate for now, but who knows? Um, I would love Seattle, to be honest. But um, that being said, uh, I'm not going to tell say the place where I work because I don't want to potentially put my job in jeopardy, but I work in an area where I'm constantly around a lot of people. Uh, and you know, the job has had, and this is not private knowledge because they put it on the news, but the job has had several, uh, not just at my location, but at other locations, uh, several COVID outbreaks. And, you know, it's not like a lot of people, but it's a couple hundred, you know, maybe two, 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 maybe one to two, 300 people in in a building. But, you know, point being is that there's going to be people that get sick as a result of this because there's no a hundred way to prevent it when you're around people, but you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing those uh, projectors, you know, the you know digital fans again. I think that was fun, but overall, I mean, people are gonna have to go at their own risk, and it's not gonna. People are gonna. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Except they're gonna have to basically know that they're putting themselves at danger, and a lot of people are willing to do that now, and um. They have to see going to games as an acceptable risk, and I'm sure there's people that will, and that's that's their choice at the end of the day. But the, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if certain cities see a little bit of a spike as a result of some games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the players just need to be careful. I know that there, there's going to be precautions to how close the fans can be, but and I know that I saw something about having advanced like new filters put into the stadiums to help, you know. If, filter out any bacteria but still it's going to be rough i think but it it's going to happen so it is what it is yeah i i think you hit the nail on the head lucas i mean obviously the ideal situation is they do another variation of the bubble and you put players and their families in and you just have like a closed off environment where people play basketball for a few months but i don't think the players are going to go for that very clearly they're not it's not happening Mm. so that just inevitably is going to open up more risk. You can't really keep track of what players are doing off the floor. So it's probably going to break into some locker rooms at some point. It's happened in football. It's happened in baseball. 
I'm, I'm sure it'll happen in the NBA. That's just an unfortunate risk that these leagues are taking right now. And uh, as far as fans in the stands, I, I mean, personally, it's just it should be a no go. I, it's obviously a money thing and there are finances involved and teams want to be able to spend on free agents and TV contracts, whatever. Obviously, there's a financial benefit to having people in the stands. But like you said, it's just this virus spreads so quickly. It is a very efficient virus and in, in how it spreads. I'm not an expert, but just based on what we've seen with the country setting like record highs every day still in November, when this all started up in April, it's not slowing down really at all. It's picking up, if anything. So I, I, I don't really personally feel like we're in a place where we should be putting people in stands. But, you know, we saw the Notre game game on Saturday where people rushed the field. It's not like other sports aren't doing it. So at this point, like you said, if people want to, you know, put their lives at risk, quote unquote, to go see a basketball game, I guess I guess that's their choice. But we'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully, nothing nothing bad comes of it. But uh, I do think, at least from the Sixers' perspective, it's obviously going to be a big benefit for some teams. Like the Wells Fargo Center atmosphere is going to be much better than like the KFC Yum Center atmosphere for Toronto, because <laughs> there aren't many Raptors fans that I'm aware of in Kentucky. So. But they do a have a advantage. really good college base. But you know, who knows what happens? Yeah, but. But the Raptors are from Toronto, you know, so it, it's yeah, 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 yeah. it will benefit some teams much more than it benefits other teams. Like you said, like Golden State, I don't think San Francisco is open yet or they just recently opened. L.A. is not opened yet all the way. So the, I don't know how it would work for the Lakers. I don't know each city's specific covid restrictions, but yeah, I, I do think it will be. It's a it's a delicate balance, and the league is going to have to be be as careful as possible. I don't know that they will be because money drives everything in this country, unfortunately. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Most definitely. So I wanted to go ahead and change gears here, out of COVID, because nobody wants to talk about you know the potential of COVID anymore. We're going to go ahead and switch out and look at free agency because you know there's. We don't know exactly when free agency is supposed to start, but I know that I've been hearing rumblings that it could happen before the draft, which I think would be absolutely brilliant because that's what the NFL does. And it seems to work for them pretty well. I think it'd be smart to, you know, see who you can get in free agency and then draft you for needs afterwards. You know what I mean? But that being said, I think that there are some really underrated shooters out on the market. Chris, any uh, particular player catches your eye? Yeah, I mean, if we look at the Sixers, they only have their like taxpayers' mid-level and minimum contracts to hand out, so they're not going to be like getting Davis Bertans or Goran Dragic or anyone like that. They're going to be thinking smaller, like like low-level pieces mm-hmm. who they they think can fit. So I have written multiple times, I think, on the site about DJ Augustine, who just mm-hmm. Two seasons ago was the starting point guard in Orlando and a pretty strong starting point guard. You know, nothing special, but even at 5'11", even at, I think, 31, 32 years old, he, he can do a lot of good on offense. Maybe not so much on defense, but if he's playing 20 minutes a night, you know, off the bench, I think he gives the Sixers a lot of what they need. Um, I think he's the definition of a, uh average starter. Yeah, I mean... Starting level point guard. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be starting now at this point. Oh, um, no, no, no. And definitely not in Philly, but I, I think he'd be a solid addition to the bench. You know, you, you look like, like 
Kyle Korver, if you're paying him the minimum and he's getting 10 minutes a night every now and then, that that's fine. Uh, you're, you're, you don't want to play him in the playoffs. I know Milwaukee kind of got torn apart for that at times. But, you know, you could do worse than Korver and his leadership qualities. Uh, Marco Bellinelli's a free agent, you know. Uh, you stole my thunder there. Union. Yeah. Uh, Etwan Moore is a free agent from New Orleans. Just guys like that. Just that general vicinity of like 15, 20-minute-a-game wings and guards who can shoot the ball. That's pretty much all All Sixer fans should really be focused on. I think any major changes are going to come from the trade market. So, so Chris, you, you touched on, uh, you know, Marco Bellinelli, but, you know, technically, if the Bucks decide not to guarantee Irsan Eliasova's contract this offseason, he'd be a free agent as well. Don't we just want Marco and Irsan back? You know, just like the good old days before all these terrible <laughs> trades happened. Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, if it's, it's why a minimum not? contract. Have, yeah. If, if Irsan is willing to come for a minimum contract, you know, sure, he's a 12 times better than Mike Scott. So it, it depends on what they're asking. I don't think Marco's going to get much money anywhere. He could probably be had for the vet minimum if he's the know bottom of the bench guy just like yeah. Corver, you know fine it's he's a shooter yeah. you could you could do worse yeah but no on some some you brought up each one more he was a guy that i had another guy that i had that i think you could probably get for the mid-level exception if not a minimum is uh ken Bazemore. he's a two-way mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. yeah he's a he's coming off of a big deal he's he didn't have a great season but i think in a limit more limited role you know, coming off the bench, getting like you said, like 15, 20 minutes a night. Ken Bazemore can play defense, defend multiple decision positions, and stretch the floor for you. I I'd target Ken Bazemore, and there was somebody else here that I saw because I'm looking at the you know free agent list right now, and there was somebody. Oh, Tyler Johnson, that's another guy I think would be a nice little bit combo guard, can play on and off the ball. Uh, Courtney, well, I. Hmm. Can Courtney, Courtney Lee even still play? I'm, I mean, again, if it's like, if he's the 15th, 14th guy, yeah. it's fine. You give him a shot. You're, Why not? You know, yeah. none of these guys are going to be big impact playoff minute type of dudes. And I think Augustine's probably the quote unquote best player we've discussed. He, yeah. he would probably get minutes in the playoffs, but like Marco, Corver, Courtney Lee, Tyler Johnson, these really aren't people you want playing minutes in the postseason just what about reggie jackson we could probably get him yeah like reggie jackson would be solid he's not as much of a shooter but the sixers need guard help so yeah like reggie jackson anthony tolliver yeah guys like that i would all would all be fine tolliver's a great leader in the locker room too Mm -hmm. um but with regards to like the mid-level exception i i don't think the sixers are going to be able to keep alec burks i think his market might just to see what Philly can spend, but like one of their best options might just be doing everything they can to bring bring Glenn Robinson back. I think we didn't see much of him last season because he got hurt in the playoffs, and I think that Mm -hmm. kind of maybe hurt his his, uh, momentum going into free agency. If the Sixers can bring him back, you know, he's a 30-something, like a high 30s percent shooter from deep, a great athlete, can do a, a lot of good offensively off the bench. I, I think he'd be a guy you, you want to target. So it might just be as simple as bringing a few of the, the rotation pieces back that we had last year. What what about, what about do you think we could get Darius Arch for the mid-level? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I 
kind of doubt it, but I mean, I his market's kind of weird because outside <laughs> of Philly, he's been more of a bench guy than a starter. Yeah, he was pretty solid as like the backup center for Phoenix late in the season. Like the Suns yeah. might even bring him back. I, I don't think they he was might. bad by any stretch. But if if they can, you know, just for sentimental value, I'd, I'd be on board. I, I, I think most people would get on board with it, even if it's not like the best personnel decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dario would still have a role here, obviously, as a spacer in a pretty solid passer score. too. Like he's got some pretty unique talents, and he'd find a role, especially if Al ends up gone at some point. I mean, there'd be plenty of opportunity for Dario to get minutes. So you know, sure, why not? What about a uh, Bryn Forbes? Do you think he's in our price range? Because I know for a fact he's a good floor uh, floor spacer. Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt it. I. I, I Do you don't think, think he's a little bit out of our... I think so. I think he, he's probably just too expensive. But if again, if he's willing to come to a contender for a lower price, then the Sixers should jump all over that. Nah, he's at that point in his career where he's looking for that payday because he's but been yeah, on it. I would think so. Well, well you know, MCW is a... Uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent. Mm, Talk yeah, about four or six. Right? No, 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 he can't shoot worth anything at all. Yeah. Though becoming a pretty good defender, though. Um, yeah, I mean, he was solid in Orlando where there's not a lot of shooting. So I, I think that re- reflects good on him. I, I think he can probably get minutes somewhere, but I don't think Philly's the spot. Oh, no, no, definitely not. But, you know, good for MCW finding a role as a defender. And he's he played shooting guard this past year, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that's more of his natural position. Who knows? But, yeah, no, I think we have some good... I think you said we're not going to be able to hit any home runs. I think... This is the year where if – I think one thing that we do have to consider is that guys that you would, would be above the mid-level because of how free agency is going to go just based off of teams trying to save money. If the Sixers are willing to spend their mid-level, which I don't know if they will or not, but if they are, they might be able to get a guy who's worth more than the mid-level because of yeah. how the market is and how teams might not be willing to spend that. I do think that's one so thing I don't that think- is – strongly in Philly's favor is that it seems like they're willing to spend. Like Doc was probably the mm-hmm. most expensive coach. Doc Daryl Morey's gonna make like twelve million or something a year as like mm-hmm. that's crazy. That I think he's making more than Phil Jackson did, or that was the report when he was uh, president in New York. So it's clear that despite COVID the Sixers are willing to spend because they already have a crazy high tax sheet and they're spending a lot of money uh, in these executive roles. So if any team is going to spend like their full amount possible, it's probably going to be Maury and the Sixers, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what happens. For sure. So Uriah, it is your time, my man. Yeah, guys. So this week we're going to talk about the um, social media question of the week. But before we do that, I just want to say that the, um, the question this week doesn't necessarily revolve around particular players trades or anything that we've done in the most recent past weeks with coaches and, and obviously Daryl Morey this week, it's a little bit more about style. And let's, let's start with the tweet that went out. I think it was on Friday, Thursday or Friday where Alan Iverson tweeted out a picture of himself where there was just enough light to recognize it was him. And but it just wasn't enough light to see what it was wearing. So there's supposedly a big announcement coming this week about 
possibly a new jersey uh, for the season that the Sixers are going to be wearing. So the question revolves around that cryptic tweet from Allen Iverson. And the question was, which Sixers jersey is the best? And there were three choices. The first one, and I'll do my best to describe it. Uh, the first one is a picture of Ben Simmons, and he has the red uh, red Sixers jersey. And it's kind of uh, italicized. And if you read it, uh, a lot of people when they first saw this jersey two years ago, they were like, does that say Sixers?" <laughs> but it actually says Sixers. So it's the italicized Sixers um, on the front. And then in the middle with Joel Embiid, it's the big block letters, Phila, P-H-I-L-A, with the blue letters and the red trim. And the third choice, choice C, is a picture of Allen Iverson with the really uh, – it's black with the nine, uh, late 90s, early 2000s Sixers logo with a star for the eye. And then there's the ball, like a swoosh coming out under the S. And the overwhelming majority on Facebook and Twitter, a lot of people are getting hype about the return of the black jersey that was made popular by Allen Iverson. However, I'm going to share the one tweet by someone who mentioned a design jersey that wasn't even an option so norm uh on twitter aka at j n k the third he just posted a picture of dr j with the 80s jersey with the big white block letters with the number six and he got a lot of likes on that so let's go to you guys which jersey do you think the sixers should be wearing more this season coming up uh, I'll go first here. Um, I'm not a fan of A. I don't. I. I'm just not feeling the red jerseys for the Sixers. I, I prefer the white or blue or uh, even the Iverson jerseys. It's between B and C for me. I think that the. I'm hoping that their alternate or their city jerseys are going to be like the Iverson ones, like the Iverson one. I think that would be that one. I think or the classic jersey. I'm hoping that it's going to be the Iverson. One. I really hope so. And it's not, it doesn't even need to be the black Iverson one. It could be the white one or the alternate blue one that they had. I don't know if you remember that alternate blue one, but it was pretty cool too. But it fits the color scheme current. I think most likely their regular jerseys are still going to be B, but I think their alternate or their city jerseys are going to be the Iverson ones, personally. Yeah. So, if, like, if we read, like, the tea leaves, if they're going to bring Iverson into, like, promo and build hype and it's very clearly that the main color scheme of these like hints has been black and Mm -hmm. ben has it's been reported that ben simmons helped designed it uh uh, it just seems like we're going to get some variation on the black like ai era jerseys i know that's something a lot of fans have been clamoring for for a while i'm i'm all for it i think those are cool jerseys Mm -hmm. uh i mean that said I i think we might like overhyped them a little bit just because it was Alan Everson who wore them. Like they don't like look that good if we're being frank. I'm sure you, you can maybe make a, a cleaner looking version of them. Now Chris, you're hurting my heart. It, they're fine jerseys. They're solid. But like if we're gonna go retro, like other teams have it beat, you know, like the Utah throwbacks and the Vancouver throwbacks in Memphis. Like Ugh Oh, that's horrible. I don't know. Don't ever say that the, again. The I don't know about sorry. those Vancouver ones. I don't I'm know about, sorry. I mean, the, the Toronto ones with the rap, actual the Toronto rap Toronto throwbacks, those were cool 
those are, I'm sorry. The baby dinosaur? Like the baby dinosaur? The baby dinosaur, yeah. I probably just yeah. alienated <laughs> 90% of our listeners, but they're fine. I, 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 like, I prefer the white, like, just basic home uniforms. That's it. I will say, I will put in my two cents for the, the Rocky jerseys that they had a couple of years ago when Jimmy was here, the gray with the start. I really oh. like those. I don't know if they're better. I, I, I was not a fan of those. I'm not going to say they're better than the AI jerseys or anything, but because I don't want people to come to my house with pitchforks. But <laughs> I really enjoy the Rocky era stuff. I, I'd bring the Rocky stuff back. I'd I'd be all for it. I was going to make feel that. Like if you're going to do the Rocky ones, you need to do it better than. I I feel like the gray just. Nah, you need to do it either yeah. like his, his the his, either the the uh black and gold shorts like he had or you need to do it like the apollo creed shorts that he wore after if, what was it rocky four yeah rocky uh, four yeah i would i don't know i i they did do like the white variation of those jerseys too i think the season afterwards or even that same season maybe where it was white with blue stars and th- those are nice too i i just generally like like the 13 stars around the numbers and, and like the plain jerseys that i i was a fan yeah, I I thought about putting that as an option, Chris. I don't know why I yeah. didn't, but I I do like that with the stars surrounding the number. Mm-hmm. I, I I do like that style and the color is unique, right? It doesn't really have any red, white, or blue. But mm-hmm. I, I I'm gonna go with retro. It brings back a lot of good memories for me. I actually had that Iverson jersey. I'm not really calling it Iverson jersey because um, mm-hmm. it's not all about him. But the Sixers jersey from that that era. I had the blue one, and I, it, I just like the design. It's sleek. It's different. I think just P-H-I-L-A is kind of boring to me, mm-hmm. but that's just me. It's just me, and I do like A. I do like A. I know Lucas doesn't like the red, but I I, I don't know. Something about it stands out to me. Yeah, I, I like the red, too, and I think their variation from last season where it was Phila that was italicized and instead of Sexers was was a smart move. Um, I will say though, shout out to Norm. I, I like the Dr. J era uniforms from the eighties, like the championship years where it was kind of a more retro variation of what they're wearing now. Those yeah. are cool uniforms. I'd be all for just like bringing those back. Generally speaking, I, I think that's, that'd be a smart move. So shout out to Norm. I do think that seeing Embiid for some reason in particular, seeing Embiid in that, that jersey that they're probably going to reveal, the black jersey with the black sheen, it's going to be very odd seeing Embiid in that. I don't know if I've well, ever seen him in a black jersey. Oh. Well, because all the all the images from that that era are like AI, and he's like a skinny five eleven dude in jersey. <laughs> well, yeah. look at our team now, seven I mean, two. Yeah, and you know, like that jersey was really baggy on AI. Like the Nike jerseys aren't going to be baggy like that. They're going to be like skin tight. It's just, it, it'd be a different look for sure. Well, well, to be fair to AI, I mean that was just his style too. I mean, part for of sure. basketball no back in like the early two thousands, like you know, they, they were, yeah. I mean, like early two thousands jerseys were generally more baggier, but Allen Iverson mm-hmm. made sure his was especially yeah. baggy because that was just his style. But yeah. That's that's another part of it. It's just like no one can touch AI. It's never going to be the same. So, like I'm sure they'll be fine looking jerseys. I'm sure a lot of people will be excited about it, but it, it's just not going to be the same. I think that's an AI thing. 
I think they're pretty mediocre jerseys that AI made popular because he was AI. And that's that's kind of the deal, I think. Well, I'll say this. I think they can do that that front logo very clean. I think they should still keep the same colors and the same like number style. But if they can redo that um, that front logo, maybe take away that basketball on it and just have like the Sixers on there mm-hmm. and make it more like clean, like you said, I think that would look really cool. Hey, be- sure. before before we go, I just want to put this out there. I have two things that I'm waiting to wear. One of them are my Embiid ones. I ordered them back in August, or no, September. They're sitting in the box. I have no reason to wear them. I have nowhere to go. So I, I, I'm looking forward to wearing those, although I'm a little bit angry that they didn't have the, the red ones available yet, the red and blue. <laughs> they just showed that two weeks ago. So I'm waiting to wear those, and I just got a new jersey, guys. I haven't had a Sixers. I haven't had a Sixers jersey since 2004. It was the Iverson jersey. Actually, it was the Iverson Denver Nuggets jersey. That's the last jersey. Oh I bought. wow! So I'm going to give you guys. I'll give you a hint and see if either of you guys can can guess which jersey I got. All right. Okay. All right. We've talked about this player ad nauseum, and this player was part of a very controversial trade. That's all I can give you. Who do you think I have? Oh, God. Um, I, mm, uh, is he currently gonna, on the team? If I give that away, you're definitely going to get it. <laughs> no, he's not um, on the team anymore. Markel Fultz. No, come on. You, you looking Butler? at me getting a Markel Jimmy. Fultz jersey? What did you say, Chris? Jimmy. Jimmy. Yes. yes. <laughs> I got hey, one. I got a Jimmy good, Butler jersey. Good on you. To be fair, I, the Markel Fultz is a very co- – Yeah, that's a, that's a good Jimmy. one. Chris, I, I, I can't I believe Lucas. I'm a large fan of Jimmy. Do I can't believe Lucas accused me of getting a Markel Fultz. <laughs> Come on, why would anybody on this planet I will get say a Markel Fultz jersey? I still have multiple, like, T-Public t-shirts that are Fultz-themed. Like, <laughs> the Hezzy Pull-Up oh. shirt. I still have that. It has not aged very well at all. Uh, but also, I think me disparaging the, the black uniforms and saying I love Jimmy Butler on the same podcast is not going to do me any favors with the listeners. So I apologize. Um, but I will say I, I bought basically, you know, this like throwback uniforms from the, this last season where they like spell out 76ers with the italics. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I bought yes. an Al Horford Ooh. variation of that before the season also Ooh. has not aged very well. Oh. So oh, my well, Sixers wardrobe has, has that's not pretty damn horrendous, Chris. You yeah. Shouldn't my ever admit that anyone. <laughs> Has not aged. Well, he just well. submitted it to all of our listeners, so <laughs> back now. Yeah. No, so I, I, I got I a Horford barely... jersey. I hate the black jerseys, and I love Jimmy Butler. That's the theme of this podcast. I had yeah. an MB jersey, <laughs> but I had to get rid of it because it kept on getting holes in the arm. Like it got like you know how like some shirts just get holes in the armpits just because. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those, mm-hmm. and I had like two Embiid ones, one with his name on the back, and the other one that had like processing and it had like his face on it. You gotta stop shopping yeah. at Five Below, man. I also, no, man. I also, no, no, no. <laughs> I will say another another T Public shirt that I had was the like it had twenty one stacked on top of forty two, and it said Center City. Also, has not aged very well. Oh, so uh, I need I need better taste in T shirts. I also have a Jimmy Butler T shirt. Somewhere. Well, well so you know, Chris, I have no like good Sixers gear at this point. It has all been tarnished in some way. It's either like Al Horford, Jimmy Butler, or Markel Fultz based. 
Well, well if it makes you, Chris, Chris, you know, if the Sixers <laughs> sign Isaiah Thomas, you know, you're going to have to get uh, that yeah. new one. See, so, you know. just another one. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the list. Or Lucas might have to wear a old Nettle jersey. Be yeah, careful. I, I Be careful. don't think Doc Rivers will have <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. worried about having Howell Nettle, a, jer- a shirt, a jersey, hey. whatever. I'm not worried about it at all. But you know uh, what? If, well, if I get it, hey, we will post. Hey, did jinx yourself? Have, well, remember what, what – you know what? It, you if it either here. one of us have to get the there's, jersey, we're going to post no it on. There's no way Nettle will page. resign. Lucas is in the clear. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to want to be back. Now, you know, IT, on the other hand, he liked my tweet about him going to the Sixers. Uh-huh. He has liked every tweet from every fan base <laughs> suggesting that someone should sign him. <laughs> because that's just who he is at this point. I mean, would you rather have somebody like IT or, you know, somebody with like a bad track record like, you know, Tyreek Evans? I mean, I'm just saying. I'd rather have I'd that. rather have whole now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would. That's the bet. That's the bet, guys. Hey, before we go, guys, uh, shout out to – I never told you how I, I got the jersey. So my neighbor who listens to the podcast uh, religiously, uh, Scott, he came back from a trip and he uh, – found a, a good deal on a, on a Jimmy Butler jersey, and we'd watched Sixers games in the past together, good friend of mine. And so he gave me a, a Jimmy Butler jersey. So next time uh, he goes away, Lucas, I'm going to ask for a Markel Fultz jersey. So just thought That's I'd put that fine. You know what? I'll, I'll own that one because, uh, you know what? I was really a Fultz fan. I really thought that it was going to – I'll own that one. Uh, I'll own it. I think we all were hyped about Fultz until, you know, preseason. Hey, I still think he has a shot at being a, a very good player. To be honest with you, I think he has a lot of room to grow. I proudly I wear my Hezzy Pull Up Jimbo shirt. It is a. Pr- I I have no regrets. Wait, Zero. what jersey? Is it who? It's a T-shirt that says Hezzy Pull Up Jimbo, and then has Colt shooting. Oh, okay. It's right. still. <laughs> I love it. It's one of my favorite shirts. I, I it's a cherished part of my closet. No. You know what I want to get? I want to get one of those, you know, face masks, uh, Sixers face mask. I just got to mm-hmm. decide to get it. So, yeah. OK, well, before we go, uh, I'm just going to ask you guys this. I, I think I I think I know Uriah's team, but because it is football season right now. Who's everybody's favorite football team, NFL team? Chris? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't follow the NFL nearly as as thoroughly as I followed the NBA. So, I, I mean, I've kind of, like, adopted the Eagles, like, to a degree, just because I deal mostly with Philly fans, and that's just the fan base that I've been, like, absorbed into it, to a degree. So, like, the Eagles and the Falcons are the two teams the I sort of care about. Yeah, I was like, about to say when the Falcons, Falcons were in the Super Bowl, I wanted the Falcons to win, you know. So I, it, it's kind of split between the, the bird-themed teams on the East Coast. Yeah. Well, to be <laughs> fair, everybody that's not a Patriots fan wanted the Falcons to win that one. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I already know that you're you're an Eagles fan, right? Yeah, I bleed green. So I, yeah. I just keep keep it where, where I was born and raised. I'm a Philly guy all the way. Not aren't now. you a aren't you a skins? Oh, I'm sorry. Aren't you a Washington oh, football team fan? I, I am. I'm I'm, a Mike, <laughs> I, I'm the Mike Scott here. You know, please, Philly fans, don't try to fight me. I feel bad like for this. you. We we all feel bad for you right now. 
Oh, gosh, yeah. we lost the Giants today. I'm not. I feel I that. feel bad for the entire division at this point. <laughs> the, the division is sorry this year. That's for sure. All right. Well, Chris, I think it's time for you to play us out. Yeah. So thanks again, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Six or Sense podcast. Obviously, a lot of change is going on in Philly with Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers. Free agency and the draft are right around the corner now. There's a lot to be excited about. You know, a lot is changing in the country as well. We have a new a new president-elect, in part because of, you know, Philly's uh, turning out to vote. So, uh, a lot's going on. So, it's a very a very hectic time in our country. Uh, I, obviously, COVID, which we mentioned too. So, I hope everyone stays safe and continues to be diligent in that respect. And we just really appreciate you all for, for tuning in during these hectic times and giving us the time of week to talk to Sixers and just hang out. And, uh, you know, forget about the world outside for, for an hour. So we really do appreciate it. And we'll be back with some very exciting guests and some very exciting topics in the very near future. So thanks, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.